1: Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's Business Leader, 1220 KDOW.
2: Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, 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 much more. March unemployment data disappointing. I'm live this morning, April 6, 2012. And that's going to be a negative. Unfortunately or fortunately, there ain't no stock market trading today. So we had a rough week. All things considered a rough week. Second worst week of the year. On top of it, we have Good Friday off. Happy Good Friday to you. Hopefully you can go out and find yourself an Easter egg or two. With that said, no trading today. And yet we get some not so good numbers. And that's something we're going to have to work with. Dow's down nothing. The NASDAQ down nothing. The SP 500 down nothing. Stocks fell yesterday, though, on a renewed concern about Europe's debt crisis. All kind of stocks got hit yesterday. Bed Bath Beyond was a winner. Facebook got a ticker symbol yesterday. All grown up. Facebook plans to list their shares of the NASDAQ. Seven of the ten biggest tech companies list on the NASDAQ. Including Apple. Microsoft and Google. And Intel. So Facebook's going to list on the NASDAQ. Ticker symbol's going to be FB. So we're getting a little bit closer to their IPO. A little bit Closer. For Christians, Easter celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the end of Lent. A 40-day period of fasting and repentance. For Americans, Easter is a family celebration where you get to wear your Easter dresses, your Easter hats. You get to hunt for eggs. You get to welcome in spring. I love Easter. Just welcoming in spring is the right way of thinking. When we were bundling up wearing clothes, we're now frolicking in shorts. And it looks good. Easter can be expensive. Four out of five Americans are going to celebrate Easter this year, spending a total of $16.8 billion. It's good for the economy. That's 145 bucks each. I didn't know that. You know, uh, when you're single and you're dating, you're not like, hey, honey, let's go out for a big Easter celebration. Put on your dress and your bonnet. Like, how, who spends $145? If you have kids, how... That's a lot of candy. Our spending's going to be up 11% from last year, telling you the economy is going to feel a little bit better. Americans spend $20 per person on candy for Easter. $20 per person. We are a nation of fat Oompa Loompa kids getting fatter. That's $2.3 billion in candy. Candy. My diabetic feet feel tingle. Decorating eggs. You know those pause kits? We buy 10 million of those. I'd rather decorate them with the pause kits because it's a great childhood memory, right? You get that, was it like vinegar? And you drop your tablet in it and it slowly dissolves. And You're like, you're pumped, you're ready, you're excited. You get... the the little copper wire where you can dangle half an egg in and then dangle the other half egg in and you're just doing your best as a kid not to drop and break the egg and and ruin everything. (laughs) I lived in fear of eroding things. You can clearly tell daddy issue. Daddy issue. Oh. Less snow in many cities this year. That's one of the positives about global warming. We've had less snow. Okay, maybe that's not a positive, but for some cities, they probably think of it as... You know, a city like Syracuse, New York, that gets 120 inches of snow a year, they're going to save $2 million in salt equipment maintenance and overtime hours. Minneapolis, which got 22 inches compared with its average of 50... Milwaukee spent less than $2 million. Minneapolis spent, saved $3 million. So global warming's great. Less snow, more sunshine, lower heating bills. Yeah. I guess we'll just think about that one for a while, huh? Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> That's funny I just do that. Okay, 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 okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, this horrible jobs number. It's not horrible. It ain't good. Employers added 120,000 120, jobs in March. That's the fewest in five months. 120,000 increase in payrolls, the fewest in five months, followed a revised 240,000 gain in February. That's bigger than expected. So that's good. Unemployment fell to 8.2% in the United States, down from 83 in January 2009. Faster employment growth that leads to bigger wage gains is necessary to propel consumer spending that accounts for about 70% of the economy. There isn't a lot of strong job growth. There's growth. It ain't strong. This is not strong enough to escape velocity. You know, when motherships blowing up, the Titanic sinking, you got to get kind of far away from it before you get pulled under. Same thing in space. I'm not sure I'm telling the truth about that because I don't know if that's true. I'm just kind of assuming it is because I've seen it in movies. Our economy's sluggish. It's OK. It's not a sustainable economy on a lot of levels. We have a lot of government spending. So almost a one percent drop in the unemployment rate since August. Only one president since World War II, Ronald Reagan, has been reelected with a jobless rate above 6%. Reagan won a second term in 1984 with a 7.2% unemployment. So the numbers aren't good for Obama. It creates an uphill... It creates some resistance. It's tough to say uphill battle because a lot of people just don't think the Republicans are getting their act together with a candidate they get behind. Almost too much infighting has hurt them. So 8.3%, best case scenario, in the next six months, we get it down to 7.5, 7.6. Especially when it's now starting to slow. This is going to bring up some questions. This is going to bring up some uh, political speak, to say the least. This will make things far more interesting. Things are far from over. Research in motion is continuing to see executives depart. Another lesson of why we care, in large part because executives' success or failure starts at the top. You know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook gets their their IPO going and running. He's going to be 28 soon. He's the youngest billionaire in the world. For their number of employees, their average employer brings in sales of 1.2 million at Facebook. That's a nutty, nutty. Apple's equivalent of full time employees bringing about 1.3 million in cash per full time equivalent employee. It's unheard of for a company so young. He's 28 years old. He's a dropout from Harvard. He's in a relationship. Sorry, ladies. He's worth at least $17.5 billion. Andy Samberg, Jesse Eisenberg have all played and pretended to play. Mark Zuckerberg. IPO is going to be a hot ticket this spring when it comes out. That's right. Probably in the next three months, we'll talk about ticker symbol FB. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. seminar coming up in Palo Alto. It's a wealth preservation retirement planning event. Really strongly needed for those of you five to ten years from retirement. You can set up at roblock.com It's robblack.com. Dinah's Garden Inn in Palo Alto, a lovely location. Let's take a little bit of a break here. You're listening to AM twelve twenty. Happy Good Friday, do you on 1220 AM? <laughs>
1: to Rob Black and your money
2: on AM1220, KDOW. Oh boy, if we keep playing music like this, I can already see you coming into the studio and hitting me with a hippie stick. Back out, hippie! Back out! Get out of the studio, you hippie! You old hippie! <laughs> so, children in California rejoice. A San Francisco judge has dismissed a proposed class action lawsuit that sought to stop McDonald's from using toys to market its meals to children in the Golden State. That's good news. Let's throw it to Chad Burton, take a quick look at the market numbers. Note, there are no market numbers today because it's Good Friday and the markets are closed. Welcome in, CFP, Chad Burton, com. One of the things that... Intimidates people about money is there's a lot of things that just doesn't you know translate to our ABCs like ESPPs and RSUs What is an ESPP? Why do we care? What is an RSU? Why do we care?
3: It reminds me I was up on the mountain um, You know back in I don't know February or something like that And somebody had to stop skiing and pull over on their cell phone and exercise some of their Wells Fargo options because they were expiring that day Awesome, and they were sitting on the mountain and got an email Your options are about to expire, and it was about a $6,000 value, net of taxes, that they almost lost because they let their options expire. So a lot of people that work for companies that have, you know, they get the 401k match, great. But then you get the options that have expirations dates, incentive stock options that have different tax strategies. But let's talk about employee stock purchase plans and RSUs, which is the most common. So an employee stock purchase plan, when you're working for a company, you get two periods a year where you can buy your own company's stock at a discount. Okay, but they have different tax strategies too, and and what I can't understand is why people don't you know they they get too overweighted in an old company's stodgy stock because they're always doing the SPPS which I like because you get the discount. Okay, but What's the di- discount typically 10? typically ten to fifteen percent. Okay, and so, but if you want to have most of your gain on the stock qualify for capital gains, you usually have to hold them for at least two years after the offering date. Okay. okay. Um, so what I tell people is once you've bought them two years later, you know, look, if you're, if you're already owned, if 5% of your portfolio and you're in your fifties is in your company stock, you need to, as they become two years old, sell them and reinvest them. Right. And remember, if you're way overweight in your company, you're you're talking really fast. Okay. Two year. If once the stock becomes two years old, like you've bought it and you've held it for over two years and you're in your 50s and you own over 5% of your overall portfolios and the company stock that you work for, you need to start trimming those ESPP okay, shares. Right. Okay. But you want to make sure they're over two years old to qualify for the overall capital gains rates. There's, there's really an 18-month rule and all this other stuff that I'm not going to get into on radio. But the discount and how that's taxed and the, the capital gain, and how that's taxed, just hold it for two years. Okay. Start diversifying. Every year you should look at your stock options, and if the market has fallen and you've got ESPP shares at a loss – you're probably going to want to sell them to take the loss and offset other gains in the future. Okay? Okay. Um, so What's selling- interesting
2: to note about that is I think a lot of people accumulate a lot of wealth like through AT&T. Mm-hmm. They worked there. They got the company shares. They became millionaires. And it's almost ingrained in our society not to diversify. Yeah. But then WorldCom and Enron come along. You know, WorldCom bought a couple baby bells and they implode Yeah. next thing you know. So it's it's ingrained in us, but it's not necessarily trained properly.
3: Yeah. So it's... You know, I can see if you're younger and you're working for a, a company that's aggressively growing and they're, they're, you know, really doing well in the stock market while you end up being, you know, 10% of your portfolio is in the company stock. It can make sense when you're younger. You can't afford that type of risk when you're close to retirement. So you have to diversify. Um, you also don't want to overpay your taxes because you get that company discount, Rob, that's going to be taxed as ordinary income when you sell. Oh and sometimes Killer. people are paying taxes on that discount twice once when you know they get taxed on it long story short there's a form called a 3922 so if you have employee stock purchase program you got to know your form 3922 so you don't end up paying taxes twice on that discount would you say that most
2: people account. who use espp should probably use a cpa yeah
3: okay. i think you know i know the tax code really well and i still use a uh, cpa to prepare my tax return because if i'm audited it if I'm audited, I know I'm not going to do well sitting in the room with, with the IRS if a certain point comes up, you know, because I can't stand our current tax code. They know how to discuss the issue with the IRS. I would just get angry.
2: I so badly <laughs> want you on Jeopardy, and the, the, the heading comes up tax code because you're like, I know tax code. <laughs> Form 3522. Okay, um, thirty nine twenty two. Thirty nine twenty two. <laughs> trust me, I don't know the tax code. I don't pretend to know the tax code. You're a nerd. I'm not. A, <laughs> let's just say this: Playboy model. It happened in
3: my life, not yours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so what else do we need to do? RSUs? Did we t- hit that? Do we need to hit that? Well, RSUs is one of those things too. When you already own a bunch of your company stock, RSUs, restricted share units, restricted stock units, you're granted a bunch of units and. As they vest, they become taxable based on the value of the stock that day. There is absolutely no tax reason to continue to hold those after that point. So, if you are, you know, unless you think your company is just going to go through the roof and you own less than ten percent of your portfolio in that company, as those RSUs come due, they're taxed. They're already taxed. So, sell them and reinvest them in a diversified portfolio. Uh, And that's one thing that people just fail to do. They continue to hold and hold and hold and. Uh, you need to do a good job tracking your cost basis on those as well. Okay. Anything else that we need to know, or should we wrap it up here? Um, again, it's, you know, if you're getting close to retirement, having more than 5 to 10% of your, company, your portfolio in your own company stock is just too much risk.
2: And again, a lot of people don't want to hear that because they feel comfortable where they are, and they feel like they're not being loyal if they do sell their own company shares. Don't feel that way. You're listening to CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So the jobs report missed this morning. Weaker than expected, slowing down in an election year. Futures around the world turned negative. The dollars tumbling back on expectations of quantitative easing back on the table. U6 underemployment fell from 149 to 14%. Average hourly earning increased 2.1%. The number of unemployed persons, 12.7 million, the unemployment rate of 8.2%, both little changed in the month of March. Amongst the major groups, the unemployment rates for adult men fell 7.6%, adult women, 7.4%. Teenagers, their unemployment rate sits at 25%. It's a pretty rough set of numbers, all things considered. When you go a little bit deeper into it, the number of long-term unemployed, those people who have been unemployed for 27 weeks or longer, essentially unchanged, 5.3 million. Blacks, 14% unemployment rate. Hispanics, 10.3%. Adult women, lower unemployment than adult men. Take that, you sexist pig. Now, again, the color barrier is traumatic. 7.3% for whites, 14% for blacks, 10% for Hispanics. Just keep in mind, Chad Burton and myself will do a wealth preservation retirement planning event coming up, not this Thursday. Oh, yeah, this Thursday. Six days from now. You can sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Don't be shy. It's a good event. It's good, especially if you're cruising towards retirement and you have a lot of questions. Let's take a little bit of a break here. We'll come back live on April 6th. I could be back. I could be white.
1: I could be right. AM 12. Phone lines are now open. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Welcome in. It's Friday, April 6th. The markets are closed today. Uh, people say, what are you going to do this weekend? Black? Last name's Black. People call me Black. My friends call me Robert, which is interesting. And I say, I'm going to go see Titanic in 3D. But I'm going to tease other people seeing Titanic in 3D. I'm not saying I'm going to get liquored up because, let's face it, my life is a party. I don't need the booze. But as soon as the uh, iceberg shows up, I'm going to yell out, What was the last thing someone said on the Titanic? The punchline is, I know I ordered ice, but this is ridiculous. (laughs) What sort of cake do they have for dessert on the Titanic tonight? Upside down cake. (laughs) So I'm going to sit there and just do stand-up material until I get kicked out of the theater. Stand-up material with 3D glasses. What could be cooler than that, eh? The chief designer of the Titanic ha- had a lisp. That's unthinkable. You've you got to understand the boat lisp on the way down. And what goes down well with ice? Well, the Titanic, of course. What do you get if you cross the Atlantic Ocean with a Titanic? About halfway. On the Titanic, the captain called a meeting of his officers, gathered them in a circle, and he said, I've got some good news and some bad news. Which do you want to hear first? The good news, replied an officer. And he says, well, one day we'll get 11 Oscars and there'll be an idiot standing up making jokes about us. (laughs) Oh, It's the Titanic. As soon as it starts to sink, I'll yell out, I'll go, how far are we from land, Captain. And someone dressed up as a captain will scream from the other side, two miles. I'll go, which direction? You'll go down. Okay, you can clearly see the markets are closed today. So I'm finished with this. Let's talk a little bit about some of these unemployment myths and no, 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 no. Let's talk about Easter eggs. Parents don't help your kids find the Easter eggs. This is a commandment that, that is true through and through. Parents that help their kids find the eggs mean the kids don't get the joy of finding the eggs. So one of the first commandments that you have to have this weekend is, is show some restraint. You know, thou shalt not help thy children find eggs. In 1993, there was a PBS investigation on a show called Wild America, where Marty Stouffer, he staged some scenes including tying a bunny rabbit to a fence that it could be killed by a raccoon and what's the point? You're tying it to a a a fence. It's not fair anymore. Same thing is let the egg finding events unfold. Don't show your kids where the the eggs are. If you're an organizer understand that there was in Colorado the Springs Egg Riot of 2011. Organizers roped off a square section of open ground and then scattered the grass willy-nilly with eggs. And then the pigeons attacked. And searching for the eggs you know, became about tripping and people were falling because they were all blindfolded and the, the pigeons were attacking the kids and pecking them in their face. So try to show a little bit of intelligence on how you have kids find the eggs. If your kid's one of those miraculous four-year-olds, how shall we say, a brainiac, take a Talk to the organizer of the egg hunt and find out, let's say, 100 eggs, 10 kids. Put a 10-egg limit on your kid. Don't let your kid be the bully who goes out there and dominates. We don't need that. Tell your kid, yeah, he's allowed to get 12. And then he has to go hide some of his eggs to help the slower egg-hunting kids to find them. Can't stand when people do things wrong. That's one area where people do things wrong. You know, I was talking about uh, 3D. YouTube this morning said they're going to automatically convert all video uploaded in 1080p to 3D for YouTube. Users previously had the option to manually convert their video to a 3D-friendly format with a single click, but now the conversion is going to be automatic. Videos will start to appear normally until someone watching them activates the 3D mode, at which point you have to put on your 3D glasses to get the effect. Um, So there you go. You got your little 3D story. I saw an interesting chart this morning on cash. And here is what you need to know about the elections. Clearly, Mitt Romney's going to get the approval of the Republicans. He's only got $7 million in cash right now, $7.3 million. Obama's got $84.7 So far in the last year... Romney's raised 73 total million and he spent 67 million of that. So far in the last year, Barack Obama's raised 157 million and he's already spent 70 million of that. So, dollar for dollar, Obama has already outpaced Romney. Obama has no competition and he is flush with cash. He's got over 10 times as much cash right now as Mitt Romney has. I'm not going to get political on you, because ultimately I I really think it is in your best interest not to hear from people like me who think they have opinions, to give you our opinions on politics. I think it's important that you develop your own. I will say if I ever run for election, I'm going to run as an independent, but I'll only run as a mayor. I will never go for any office bigger than that, because I don't think you can help. I was once talking to Chuck Reed, and I said... You're kind of loved in San Jose. You're a Democrat in a Republican city. You're a Democrat who looks like, smells like, w- walks like, talks like a Republican. And d- Democrats love you and Republicans love you. Why don't you run? Yeah, you know, I- I'd love to see you as, you know, governor of California. goes, the state's ungovernable. I'll never run for governor. And that made me scratch my head. Like, I just got learned something. I was schooled. I always say uh, when you learn something, you know, mark it, note it, because once you're over thirty, you learn less and less, slower and slower. Oh, good golly! If you don't like my driving, please get off my sidewalk. (laughs) When you say things like that to your neighbors, you have to laugh out loud. A couple other issues. Uh, I wanted to give some of the jobs report issues out there this morning. There's some common unemployment myths. One of them is, I don't receive unemployment benefits. The government doesn't count me as unemployed. And that's not true. The official unemployment rate is based on a survey of about 60,000 households. It's not based on people on unemployment benefits. Unemployment benefits are administered by the state's. An employment rate includes people who aren't eligible for benefits, such as people who quit their jobs voluntarily, people who are entering or re-entering the workforce after, say, graduating high school or college or getting out of the military. Um, Another myth is that I'm a contractor, not an employee, so the government doesn't consider me employed. That's not true either. Anyone who's done work for pay in the relevant week is considered employed. Whether to employ a contractor or self employed. That includes informal work like childcare or handyman type jobs. Yes, yes, stop talking about how I'd kinda of like to be a handyman one day, but I'm only sort of handy. Another myth is that more than three hundred fifty thousand people a week are getting laid off so the unemployment rate should be rising. The U.S. added 120,000 jobs in March, and it's averaged 154,000 jobs over the past six months. That's a lot less than the 350,000 to 400,000 people who are claiming first-time unemployment benefits insurance each week. But when you start doing the numbers, you're looking for net numbers. Net numbers take into account both hires and layoffs. So if the report says the economy added 120,000 jobs, that means employers hired 120,000 more people than they laid off. Figures based on a survey of over 160,000 businesses and government agencies, which is conducted separately from the survey of households. So unemployment numbers are kind of tough to figure. Some people have criticized unemployment numbers for the reason of, since it's based on a phone sampling of 60,000 households, Sometimes if you want the numbers to be a little bit better, maybe you're calling people in, you know, more city like phone numbers. If you want the numbers to be worse, maybe you're calling them in more urban areas. Remember that mega millions jackpot? Remember everyone telling you it's a bad bet, don't do it? By the time they, s- they sold their winning tickets, for every American, they sold 625 million tickets. That's more than two tickets for every man, woman, and child in the U.S. It's also some 200 million more tickets than they expected to sell for the whole thing. So when the numbers got that big, there was a 94% chance of someone picking the numbers, even though there's more tickets being bought than numbers. It just shows you that odds can do really tricky things in statistics. You listen to AM 1220, KDOW. I'm Rob Black on Business Radio.
1: You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Happy Good Friday to you. Hopefully Passover is being enjoyed by your family. If not, hopefully Easter and the coming of spring is being flaunted. Sergey Brin, the 24th richest man in the world, yesterday he showed up at an event at Forbes and he had his Google glasses on, which kind of like the Terminator glasses from Terminator 3, where data was instantly downloaded into the glasses. They're pretty cool. I don't know if I figured out an angle to even discuss them with you at this point, so I won't. Uh, With that said, as soon as I do, I will. I can tell you when I was starting my business many, many years ago, I did things a little differently. I believe in the inner child. I believe that children probably would rule the world better than men. I believe that women would definitely rule the world better than men. See I'm a feminist. I think you're saying, you make no sense black. One thing that I did was uh, I always took the smallest office as I was the owner owner a company and I'd take the smallest office. Cause I ain't that guy who needs a big office. Uh, so there's really no business cards with our names on it. There is no business card saying CEO, C O O douchebag. Like, Oh, let me tell you something in the, in the world of finance, whenever you see the word senior vice president on a card, It means nothing. And I learned that early on in my business career when I was talking to someone from Smith Barney and he gives me a card. He says, it says, senior vice president. I'm like, ooh, you're a vice president. Like, how did you get that title? Oh, everyone gets it. One thing that I always try to do is, is there are no bad ideas. They're stupid people, but not bad ideas. And even a bad idea can morph into a good idea. When I got the answer that I was looking for, I'd look for it again and again and again because I believe in quantity of correctness and not just one correct voice. And one thing that I always loved doing as a a business startup was cross-fertilizing. Something Apple did really well with their stores a couple years ago is they'd hire artists and not nerds. Pablo Picasso once said, every child is an artist. The problem is... How to remain an artist once he grows up. That was probably one of the most forming phrases in my life. To me, I look at things with the eyes of a child and, you know, my boss came into radio yesterday and I I say boss calmly because I'm making minimum wage. I'm not working there for the money, if you know what I'm saying. And he says, Rob is very fragile and I think that's true. Because I see the world through the eyes of a child. I'm super optimistic. Being pessimistic and being a jerk never got me anything. Being the guy who throws hissy fits gets you nowhere. You're just the hissy fit guy. I haven't had a freak out in probably 15 plus years. You know, a freak out where you look back and you go, I really wish I wouldn't have said that. Ooh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. So try to see the world through the eyes of a child, and it will get you farther, in my opinion. You know, I tried some Titanic jokes this morning. No harm, no foul, right? Some things work, some things don't work. We're talking money. We're talking business on a day where the market's closed. You know, I like saying, you know, poke a little fun at yourself, too. In the world of business, that goes a long way. I'll say things like, I'm not in great shape unless you like circles of a snowman. I once made a movie, my first western I ever made was, it was well, a, a little under budget. Cause I, I, sh- I shot it on a merry-go-round. Webster was a great child actor, he's a horrible dictionary. You can kind of measure the quality of your life by the, the, the quality of the people you have to suck up to. I suck up to no one which is pretty sweet. In a job interview, when they ask, where do you see yourself in five years? Don't answer. Straight up chilling, baby. Don't answer. Well, certainly not within 500 feet of a school or a playground. That's for show. Sure. I don't get too caught up in like some of the, the catchy parts of, of business and money. Like, for instance, in the world of mortgages, there's... To get a mortgage, you have to have the three C's of credit. Character, capacity, and collateral. You have to have money down that's collateral. You have to have character, i.e. your credit score. When you've been offered credit in the past, how did you do? That shows your character. Capacity shows your income. I try to draw on things like that. Like I, I put those into my, my memory, but I try not to say, let's discuss the three C's of credit today. Because you just sound like an idiot. Um, and things change. Like, for instance, the three Cs of credit become the five Cs of credit later on. You could add in, like, conditions. Right now, it's tougher to get a loan than ever before in, in recent memory. You know, uh, capacity used to stand for income, but now you could add another C and call it capital. How much money do you have saved? In a worst-case scenario, can you pay down your mortgages and your debts? I don't know. I try to help you as much as I can, and some days I do it better than others. One last thing that I can tell you is get personal with people. It's wonderful to be successful at business, but get personal in business. Get to know people. Try to be specific and not just a a closed minded uh, generic show. Shut up and listen. It's one of the best things you could ever ever possibly do. Look up the word empathy, and you'll become a better leader. You'll become a better investor. You'll become a better business person. Just look up the word empathy. Don't show it. Don't act on it. Just look it up. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
1: We're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW. Insightful. Informative. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's Business Leader, 1220 KDOW.
3: Welcome
2: in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and much, much more. From time to time, I like to slow things down and talk personal finance. You know, the topics on this show range typically, how's the stock market doing today? How much money is Rob Black making? I am very confident in the stock market. It's capitalism. I'm confident in the next 40 years. Without it, I'm screwed. Without it, you're screwed. You're going to work from age 20 to 60, and what are you going to do for income? It's a theme that continues to resonate again and again on the show. I'll throw out some basic concepts like buy art from dead people. Not art from living people. Living people can, can still make art. Dead people tend not to make art. We'll talk real estate, jobs, autos, taxes, college, places to live. Like if you live in the state of California and you have a 9% state income tax and you have a 9% sales tax, of your salary is gone. So from age 20 to 60, where you work and how much you earn differs like golden clay across the United States. $100,000 income in California is... It's ghetto. It doesn't get you very far. $100,000 income in Tampa, and you're the king of Tampa. $100,000 income in, in Louisiana, and you could actually how shall we say marry as many women as you want? Like, Different states allow you different perks. Oh my. So we do talk personal finance um, because we have to. How much you're paying for insurance. How to do things right. How to do things wrong. A lot of people want to get rich quick. You see the two midgets on television selling real estate. And you're like, they're successful and they're short. If they could do it, I could do it. Or Tony Robbins. Or Robert Kiyosaki. You know what Kiyosaki's famous for? Getting you to come to his seminars and give him money. Not for being a real estate magnet, but for getting you to believe that he's a real estate magnet, enough to the point that he gets you to his seminars. So be cautious. The easier it sounds to make money you're probably going to run into some problems from time to time. You need to do some basic things to get to a million dollars. A million dollars will pay you $40,000 a year till the day you die. Best way to do it typically is your 401k. It's the most important tool you have for retirement. 401k, 403b. Now, sadly, I recently saw some statistics about how little people have saved in their 401k. And you know what? You're going to get what you settle for. What you're going to get in retirement is what you settle for. Hustle while you're working, save as much as you can, squirrel it away. Otherwise, you're going to be eating beanie weenies in retirement. A 401k represents a way to reduce your taxable income, since your contributions come out before you pay income taxes. A 401k sometimes will give you a matching contribution from your employer, and the money you save benefits from tax-deferred growth. It lets your money compound more quickly. The federal limit on how much you're able to put away in your 401k, it's 17,000 for the year 2012. It'll creep up every year after. Yeah, that's the thought. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. If you're over 50, you could put in 22,000, 500 bucks. So if you're over 50, you could save, save $100,000 in five years. Without paying taxes on that, that's pretty awesome. Because in the United States, taxes eats away at what you you take home. Keep in mind, before you even save a penny, oftentimes, like I said, in California, you lose nine percent state income tax, nine percent, Social Security taxes, sales taxes, gas taxes. You're losing a good forty to sixty percent of your money to taxes. So, let's say you dance for a living. You're a cheerleader for the Golden State Warriors. You shake your booty and the government takes 40 to 60%. Oof. So anytime a 401k is offered and they offer matching, it's free money. Every penny that you save in a 401k saves you 40 to 60% in taxes in my world. When you set up your 401K, figure out you know the right mix of stocks and bonds, rebalance it. Your 401K may have an a auto-balancer on it. Check that box. And once a year, it'll rebalance for you. Once a quarter, whatever it is. And then honestly, you can shake your booty. And your 401K will automatically grow and stay diversified. When you do roll money into an IRA from a 401K, you know, to make sure you do it correctly. More and more youngins are changing jobs on a regular basis, accumulating four hundred one k's, four hundred three bs. There's a rule from the IRS called seventy two t, which allows you to take money out of your four hundred one k early. I don't believe in four hundred one k loans. I don't believe in them. They're there, but I don't. I wish they weren't there. I wish people didn't know they were there. I've seen people take four hundred one k loans for couches. That's ridiculous. I've seen people take 401k loans for a down payment on a house. That's ridiculous. If you can't afford the house down payment, rent. I hate using religious phrases, but don't steal from Peter to pay Paul. You can't take from your retirement age 60 to 100 nest egg to get a house. Some employers let you leave money in your 401k when you retire. You need to find out what the rules are. You got to start taking it 70 and a half. That's the age when Uncle Sam and Cis retirees start withdrawing money from their IRAs and their four hundred one ks. Now, keep in mind when I say four hundred one k, it's the same thing as a four hundred three b. Four hundred three b is non profit version of a four hundred one k. Sometimes companies will do matches because it allows the owners to save more in their retirement. So, if someone offered you free money, you never ever refuse it. In my opinion, you know, I'm not a girl. But if I were a girl and a guy were offered to buy me a drink, I'd say thank you. Free is free. Although Uncle Sam lets you put away as much as seventeen thousand on that pre-tax basis, you may have, you know, depending on where you are, that may not be appropriate. That may not be right. So understand a 401k is your most powerful tool. I can't really say that enough. Early withdrawals and loans, I got a pound on you on this one. Sometimes when you lose your job, you have to pay back that that loan immediately or near immediately or you pay penalties on it. Sometimes on a 401k loan, and I, again, I've seen families do this. They take out a 401k loan for a vacation. So let's say you took out a 401k loan at Christmas time this year. All that money that's out of the 401k loan, you just lost on from January, February, March. You know, the first quarter of 2012 was uh, up 10% quarter. In the last year, up 100% in the last three years. So if you you don't pay back that loan, you miss out on that that up movement. And the market moves up 7 out of 10 years. So only do it if you have to do it. It's your money, you're allowed to do whatever you want to do with it. I think you're stealing from your future. Though you repay the money, you lose the compounded interest that would have been in there if it sat in there. It can be kind of precarious when you take out a loan. And oftentimes, like, when you have debt and you pay off debt with, like, a 401k, you're like, sweet! I paid off my credit card. But then you go out and you charge up the credit card again. It's a very, very bad idea. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW.
1: You're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at RobBlack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Come on. Come on. Marry for the money. Would you marry for money? I know a lot of people that would. I know a lot of people that should. There's a lot of ugly people out there who are never going to find true love. They're on top of the ugly tree, and when they fell, they hit every branch on the way out down. There's a lot of things that can be learned from down stock markets. Debt can be deadly. You need to remember that. Cash is king. Easy credit helps no one. When others panic, you want to be buying. Governments should anticipate recessions as well as you. Securitizing doesn't change risk. There's always going to be risk out there. Home is shelter. It's not an investment. These are what we learned in the last five years. Living beyond our means is easy, and it's stupid, and we need to stop doing it. With that said, let's talk a little CFP action. Let's welcome in CFP, Chad Burton. Chad Burton is with New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. One of the big questions I get via email and phone calls on a regular basis, Chad is lump sum investing. I just inherited a hundred thousand dollars. I just inherited $40,000. And my next question if it's check is like, You got all your teeth. Like, are you good looking? Like, what's your number? What's your number? (laughs) I've actually done that on air, which is pathetic. But um, lump sum (laughs) investing versus dollar cost averaging, these are two themes of investing. I say when you get a lump sum, just invest it because it'll work out over time. What's your thoughts on lump sum investing?
3: Well, most people are already dollar cost averaging through their paycheck, um, their 401k. And dollar cost averaging works when there's, you know, when the market is. It has periods where it's trending lower over a year-long period so that you're buying sometimes at a low and sometimes at a high. Um, so if there's a significant correction and you've got cash to put in, I would just put it in. But if you're doing it and the market's at the higher end of a you know 12-month rating, trading range, then dollar-cost average to a point that makes you feel comfortable. The problem that people do when they dollar-cost average is they let the motions get involved. So they'll start off, and they'll say, I'm going to do X number of dollars per month, and they say, oh, no, the market's too high, or I'm going to wait for a correction, and they skip out on their plan. You need to write down your plan on paper and says, I'm going I'm to dollar-cost average cash into a balanced portfolio over six months, 12 months, two years, whatever it may be, something that takes the emotion out of it. Right. It's the emotion that makes it difficult. In a 10-year period, none of it will really matter it will not matter it's just how you can avoid getting your emotions involved in investing and that's usually by a written plan that that you follow that you don't you know you got to stay the course your on. written
2: plan is a funny idea because most people remember things the, the way they want to remember them they'll say things like oh i knew to buy apple when they came out with the ipod but did they buy apple mm-hmm. a lot of day traders will be like oh i knew it was going to move from you know 440 to 525 after they reported earnings but did they do it and I recommend people, you know, if, if put up or shut up, write it down and give it to your wife. Yeah. If you have a great idea, write it down and give it to your wife because, and then
3: when you need that money back, ask for it back from your wife, you could practice on paper is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, and if you look at the last decade, which was tough for investors, the S P 500 is relatively flat if you don't count dividends. Um, but a balanced portfolio still averaged over 6% over the last 10 years, even with the credit crisis, the real estate bubble and all that good stuff. Um, so a balanced portfolio will work out over time, and I think the, the problem that investors that are coming in with cash, or they've been sitting in cash, the problem to deal with is they're only watching stocks. Right. So they, they forget that a balanced portfolio, when the stock market is really rallying, will underperform in the short term, but it will outperform... During the three out of ten years that are negative, so seven out of ten years are positive, three out of ten are negative. And asset allocation means you're keeping up with the market in the good years and outperforming it in the bad years. So that's what you want. I'm a big fan of dollar
2: cost averaging in the 401k. With if you're going to try to do a trade, then you don't you don't you, you lump sum it. You know, it's it all depends on your expectations and your goals. But we
3: preach diversification of equity. Um, so lump summing it doesn't make a lot of sense. At the same time, though, I, you know I take over um, portfolios. Uh, sometimes large companies kind of rhyme with disher, where you see over a (laughs) hundred different stocks. You be careful. That guy can kill you. (laughs) We see over a hundred different stocks and you're like, okay, what's the point of picking a hundred different stocks? We have 1% position. What if that company does really well? It's not going to make a difference in your portfolio. So when I pick individual stocks, we typically keep 20 to 25 positions in the portfolio. Do you know why he puts people in a hundred different stocks? Because it's impossible to quit them. You're you're thinking if I quit and I have to sell all these stocks, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg. That's exactly why when I set up my... We use TD Ameritrade as a brokerage firm, and my yeah. clients get uh, free trades for the first 60 days because yeah. I usually have to go in and fix portfolios because they have way too many positions. They're you know, concentrated one t- sector of the market instead of being diversified, and we've got to fix it. So you know, trading costs can become expensive if, if you've got you know, 100 positions. or If you've got over 13 mutual funds, you're typically way over-diversified. You've got too many positions. You can't possibly follow it and have a daytime job. That guy you mentioned, name rhymes with Disher. I once said on air
2: that his sales force is kind of cheesy and smarmy young guys who have, you know, cuff links and uh, initials on their shirts and stuff like that. Like these initials right (laughs) here. Yeah, absolutely. And I am like, they're kind of douchey. Like, they're just cheesy guys. He called me. A billionaire calls me. And he's like, I heard you have something negative to say about my company. I'm like, I'm so, 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 so sorry. Please don't kill me. I was afraid of him. No comment, (laughs) No, I'm scared. (laughs) It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So I love CFP Chad Burton, and he comes in and out of studio, and he's a great guy, and he's someone I trust. I've worked with him for 10-plus years, and there's very few people in the industry I trust. I want you to learn little things here and there, you know? He says people come to him with way too many positions. He has to, to rebalance it and fix it on a regular basis. I was talking about some of the lessons that we learned from the last four or five years when things were tough out there, when we we're coming out of a recession. Recessions are good. Recessions, the easiest way I can explain it to you is you're a smart person. When things are booming, stupid people get your job. Stupid people, young people, inexperienced people. But when things are tough, they get weeded out quickly. Cream rises to the top. I don't even know what that means. You're cream. So debt can be deadly. That's what we learned in the last financial crisis. So are you going to go out and buy five houses now? I'd be careful. Credit's a valuable tool, but it should be used sparingly. You ask a... Gosh, I don't even know what they're called. Not a lumberjack. But a man who works with tools... You ask a handyman which is better, a saw or a hammer, and he's going to say, It depends on, on what I'm doing. There's not a right answer, but it's a tool. And in investing, debt is a tool. Cash is king. When you have liquidity, you can scoop up bargains. Easy credit helps no one. When we gave home loans to people that didn't deserve it, we created a problem for everyone, including them. It's a shame. Yeah, mortgage lenders preyed on them. Absolutely. But they also want it to be preyed upon. They let themselves. When you're in California and you're making fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 and you're buying a $600,000 house, that's not right. So easy credit helps no one. When others panic, buy. When others are gleeful, sell. Governments should anticipate recession. So should you. They're normal and healthy. We're going to talk some basic principles right after this, AM
1: 1220. You're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW.
2: I'm full of personal financial wisdom and a lot of hot air. I smell fresh. A couple things that I can teach you if you want to become successful, if you want financial security, I think that's what this show is all about, financial security, is learn to invest in yourself. Your own earning power is rooted in your education and your job skills. It's the most valuable asset you'll ever own. It can't be wiped out in a market crash. Keep your earning power growing through continuous education, through training and personal development. If you work in a field prone to periodic layoffs or falling earnings, think about a career change. If you're constantly having to jump from job to job, think about a career change. Maybe it's something you've always dreamed of doing. I'm doing exactly what I wanna be doing. I'm a rainmaker, and I do media. I get to meet a lot of nice people. I could probably do this for another 50, 60 years. I love what I do. You know how hard it is to save up to $500,000? It's a lot easier if you make an extra $30,000 a year doing what you love. If you stop changing jobs, if you're unemployed for a couple months, and you lose $10,000, $20,000 in income, you see how it's tough to make $500,000 in savings. Next thing, if you want to be financially secure, number one is invest in yourself. Number two, protect yourself. Protect your loved ones. When you have something that's worth something, protect it. Serious illness stops your ability from earning income. Therefore, you get health insurance. This weekend, I'm going to be flying around, jet-setting, What if while I'm just picking up a rental car, if someone, you know, uh, not paying attention there in a new airport for the first time, they accidentally hit me and suddenly I'm in a wheelchair. Will I be able to do what I want? I need disability insurance. I've seen people my age die. I need life insurance because I have a great income and I have a great ability to earn a great income for many, many more years. So I need to protect that income with health insurance, with disability insurance, and with term life insurance. That's how you get financially secure. Young families in particular, protect what you can't afford to lose. And typically, people are woefully uninsured, especially for disability. You wanna learn to borrow sparingly. Use credit only to purchase things like a house or an education, maybe a car. Pay cash for everything else, like travel, Clothing, entertainment, furniture. If you want to take advantage of a credit card for 30 free days, do it, but pay off the bill in full every month. Lesson number four, if you want to become financially secure, is pay yourself first. When I was working as an investment advisor, I'd see a lot of Latino families that were invisibly rich. They come to America They work their butts off. They save 30% of their income. And then suddenly they're buying the house next to me because they're saving 30% of their income. And next thing you know, they got a BMW that they bought in cash. They're invisibly rich. Early on, they paid themselves first. Later on, they get what they deserve. And they get what they've earned. So every single person paycheck. Since I was 18 years old, I've saved 10 to 15 percent. Automatically. It's it's ingrained in me. So when those years that I made 100000 10 000 to 15000 a year was saved automatically. I'd have it taken out of my paycheck so that I didn't have to do it because you know what? I'm a lazy piece of poop at times. Just like you. I like sitting on my couch and eating Fritos. I like to refer to them as corn chips because it freaks people out. You call them Fritos, I call them corn chips. Next thing if you want to become financially secure is don't go for the home run. Mark McGuire went for a lot of home runs, but he struck out an awful lot. Reggie Jackson went for a lot of home runs, but he struck out an awful lot. In baseball, when you swing for the fence, you do hit that occasional. Lifetime batting averages of the Reggie Jacksons and Mark McGuires are a lot lower than they should have been. You don't want to lower your lifetime average in investing. Don't try to hit the home run. IPOs, stay away from them. Buying on margin, don't do it. Trying to do something like buying the Iraqi dinar, you're an idiot. I can say it. I can't say it any better than that. You're an idiot. Trying to buy into currencies where there's not even economies. Next lesson: If you want to become financially secure, diversify, diversify, diversify. I hate it. I own stocks. I own bonds. I own real estate. Boring. I wish I only owned stocks. But I don't. And yeah, you know my little property in Raleigh? Slowly paying it off. Got a renter that I hate. Don't like being a landlord, but it's slowly paying it off. It's slowly becoming an asset. The office property where I set up my own office and I pay myself my own rent. Awesome! Because I'm a good tenant. I don't like people who aren't named Rob Black being my tenants. In my home, I'm my own tenant. Best part about owning a home is the tax deductions. Otherwise, I'd rent. Just so you know. So you need to diversify with real estate, stocks and bonds. Best way to own real estate is through what are called real estate investment trusts. Every mortgage that I have is a risk. If I lose my job and my ability to earn income or if I lose that tenant, I will go bankrupt. I will lose everything. Everything will go into foreclosure. Another piece of good advice is live simple today and live comfortable tomorrow. You know, your long-term goals should be about, my long-term goal, I want to have a grandkid and I want to put $5 in each hand and tell him to pick a hand. I want the kid to win. I want him to love me. I want my legacy to be of love, not of that old person. You know my mom, her legacy sucks. She was the world's greatest mother. Unbelievable. I was such a mama's boy. I'd watch her cook. I was probably in love with my mother. I probably wanted to kill my dad. It was probably like a Greek tragedy. And now, in the last 10 years, she's had two strokes. She's, she hasn't really left the house much. She watches CNBC. She buys crap from CNBC. And then she gives it away. You'll bring a girlfriend home. And she's like, hey. You're so pretty. I'm gonna give you a ring. So my mom's legacy is ruined because last few years of her life, she hasn't been out there living. She's been there dying. I want the positive legacy that grandparents should have on their their grandchildren, and I want to give generously. You know, when you have family members that need something, I want to be there for them. That's why I want to be financially secure. Now, if your family needs $10,000 to pay for their kids' braces, that's great. If your brother needs $10,000 because he's got a little bit of a gambling problem, it ain't ain't coming from me. I don't fund that. The Bank of Rob Black closes for losers. And I've got some brothers who are losers. My mom kicked out five boys and a girl. You think Roy all turned out to be as perfect as me? (laughs) No, 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 no. Not in the least bit. Although, uh, I'm probably the dumbest of my five brothers. I got 1440 on my SATs. And it wasn't the highest score in my family. We're a pretty smart family, or we took tests well. Um, Anyway, I digress. So those are the eight things that you need to do to create a better world and become financially secure. Invest in yourself, get a great education, Ensure your ability to earn income, whether it's through health insurance, disability insurance, or an early death. Borrow very sparingly, only for homes and educations, maybe a car. Pay yourself first, 10 to 15%. If you can do 30, you're going to eat wealthy fast. You know, I, I don't eat ramen noodles, but in college I did because I wasn't able to invest and eat filet. Um, don't go for the home run. Diversify your assets. You know, once you're worth a million dollars, buy some hard assets. Once you have some hard assets, buy some art if you're good at buying art. If you're good at buying comic books, buy comic books. I'm not telling you what assets you should pick, but until you're worth a million, stick with stocks, bonds, and real estate. Best way to buy real estate is in REITs. Publicly traded REITs. Don't buy private REITs. Venra has just came out with a warning against private REITs. If you want a copy of Venra's letter about private REITs and how they're dangerous? Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. And ultimately, you know, my last comment on financial security is give generously. Because when you do, you enrich someone else's life. And if you can give, if you can enrich grandchildren's life, they're going to be just like grandpa. The sins that the parents parenting's tough. I know that. You're probably not gonna be your kid's hero. Maybe. Maybe. But your grandparents typically are. So and the kid wants to be like the grandparents, try to be that person. Have a lot of things that you absolutely believe in. Um I try not to ever lose my cool. I know I do lose my cool, but I try never ever to do it, especially when others are losing their cool. The only time I ever lose my cool is when, when people don't do their jobs right, or something is massively ignored. But when other people are freaking out about the stock market, I try not to freak out. I try to keep my cool. If you listen to AM 1220 KDOW, you can find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. When the show is over a couple hours later, you can find it at kdow.biz a podcast, you can find me on YouTube, I've got a great YouTube channel called Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show, AM 1220,
1: KDOW. You're listening to the best of Rob Black and your money. On AM
2: 1220,
3: KDOW.
1: Visit Rob Black online at RobBlack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM1220,
2: KDOW. Okay, now I just did a whole segment about getting financially secure, and one of the things I talked about was securing your income. I found a great story that explains exactly why. A TV cameraman accidentally crushes celebrity bunny. Now, that's a great headline. Till, which was a two-week-old earless bunny, seemed destined to become Germany's newest celebrity animal sensation until he died when a TV cameraman actually stepped on him. The unidentified cameraman who was filming Till at his small little zoo in in Limbach, Germany, says he didn't see the bunny buried in the hay when he took a step backwards. He was immediately dead. He didn't suffer. No one could have foreseen this. Everyone here is upset. The cameraman's distraught. See, Germany has this thing where they love and they worship little furry baby animals. And this was a cute one, trust me. An earless bunny gets stepped on, snuffing out his celebrity life. I'm not going to say that you're going to get stepped on, but some of us will. Okay. You have to have things that you believe in, right? Here's some things that I believe in. I invest and I invest often. I have that written down. I'm not trying to hit a home run this year. I'm trying to have a boatload of money, a big old pile of it. I want a, a, an Alibaba cave where I go into and I say, open Sesame. And I go in and there's just mounds and mounds of money and pearls and necklaces. So I invest often. I try to keep my cool. When other people are fearful, I try to keep my cool in the world of money. I stick with my game plan. I don't check the value of my investments every day. There's some days where before I even have my Wheaties, I've made 900,000 $90, $90, dollars $90,000 an apple. Now that's crazy. Before 10 o'clock in the morning, I can make more than the average American makes in two years. But I don't look at my bottom line. The only reason I look at these things is because I do this for a living. I think Apple's a great company. Invest in great companies. I never borrow against my stocks. Margin is the devil. Margin calls force me to sell good assets at a bad time. I saw people get wiped out in margin. Foreign stocks. The world demographics are shifting. The amount of business activity being done on a worldwide level is bigger than it's ever been. And it continues to grow. So I have foreign stocks. I will never be USA, USA. Now when it comes to Olympic hockey, I'm USA, USA. There's nothing better than, than Olympic hockey. I do kind of wish we'd go back to the amateurs though. I know. You're saying you're a purist. I know. I like seeing kids in the Olympics. I don't like seeing professionals in the Olympics. Call me crazy. For me, stocks are not risky in the long term. Stocks are risky in the short term. Stocks have outperformed all other commonly traded assets over any period of 15 years or longer. But in the short term, they're risky. And they're volatile. And they're, they're upsetting. But I don't get upset. See, I've been a lousy man to women before. Because... I don't have emotions in my workplace. I force myself to sell high and buy low. When it comes to mutual funds, I rebalance. When it comes to stocks, I'd rather buy low and sell high. But when it comes to mutual funds in my 401k, I sell high and buy low. I rebalance my portfolio every quarter. If the stock market gets too far ahead of itself, I take a little bit off the table. This year, I want 20% small caps. So when my small caps turn into 25, 30% of my portfolio and my my international does poorly, I go back to my 20% small caps and I buy more international. I don't believe that I have to own bonds. A lot of people do. I do have some income income performers in my portfolio. I do have some short-term bonds. I don't have to, but I do. I spread my investments amongst many asset classes. There's years, like last couple of years, where I'm like, damn you international stocks. I hate you, I hate you. 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 But I loved international stocks three, four, five, six, seven, eight years ago when they're up 100%, 200%. So there's going to be times where you're down 50% in China and you're going to go, what the hell is going on in my portfolio? Fidelity's got a mutual fund called Asia Minus Japan. Japan's considered an old society. Old people don't pay taxes. They don't help economies, right? That's the easiest way of explaining that. Old people want Social Security and health care. There's going to be years where you don't like your investments, and that's okay. There's going to be years where you're like, Apple doubles. Apple goes up 40% in 60 days. And you're like, I want to sell all my Asian stocks and buy more Apple. Don't do it. There's going to be years where you're tempted but don't over bet. Don't bet more than you could lose. That's how Vegas gets you. You know, you, you do $5 bets, $5 bets, and suddenly you got like $500 in front of you. Leave. They get you because suddenly you're like, you know, I got to go to bed in the next hour, so I'm going to go $10 bet, $20 bets. You start over betting what your limits should be and over betting your, your skills. Anytime you're up on the table, leave. Go up to your room, deposit that money, in the room at least get some of it off the table and out of your pocket. I know you're saying are you given even uh, gambling advice? No, I'm not. The only the only gambling game I'll ever play is single-deck blackjack. It's the only one I'll play. That's the only one that if you play the odds, you'll come out ahead if you are well-funded. Um, I'm going to eat cookies for the last five minutes of the show. Um, I invest every month. I have a plan. I can explain it to you. I have a plan to buy. I have a plan to sell. My house is a place where I live. It's not an investment. It's not a substitute for a retirement account. I accept risk. There's things that you have to write down that you know about yourself. And if you can't do it, you're not an investor. If you can't do it, you're not going to get to where you want to go. When you write down on a tree, when you carve your initials that you love somebody, it's a lot better than your whole life saying that, I love that person, I just wish I could tell them. Tell them. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW.